we're going to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Lord willing, we're going to finish this chapter tonight and uh, be able to move on from here uh, in weeks to come. But Acts chapter number 5, we're going to start where we left off last week, kind of give you a review, and then we're going to pick up at verse number 34. So Acts chapter 5, and uh, we'll pick up in verse number 34 here in just a moment tonight as we turn to the preaching of the Word of God. So again, Acts chapter 5. And verse number 34 will remind you as we've come to the end of this chapter, we want to remind you real quickly of some truths that we've learned in chapter number 5. And this will be a review from the last several Wednesday nights because we've looked at this chapter for a little while now, uh, broken up into a couple sections. But we are going verse by verse through the book of Acts. And this has been an encouragement, at least to my heart. I hope it has been to you as well. I know shared with me how the book of Acts, and as we've studied through it on Sunday nights, has been an encouragement. But some truths that... From chapter number five, we've learned the importance of purity in the church. And remember, Ananias and Sapphira had sold a possession. They brought part of the price of that possession to the feet of the apostles. Said that they had brought it all. Peter said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And so the importance of purity in the church. And we would desire that, of course, for our church. The Lord's presence and his power can be on our church as we serve him as we're living in purity. But if there are times of impurity within the church, God has to deal with that sin. And we saw that in that particular in this particular chapter as well, that Ananias and Sapphira both died as a result of their sin that they had committed as a result of the impurity in the church. And so God has to deal with sin. And then we said this, truth number three, that once sin is dealt with, the power and the blessings can return. And we saw that in the middle of the chapter. We saw the apostles begin to do miracles. And so great miracles were being performed. God's power was again returning and restored. And then we also saw that many people were believing. In addition to all those in the city of Jerusalem that had already believed, now others were believing as a result of God's power returning after sin was dealt with. And then we said this, this was another great truth from chapter number 4, that as the church moves forward, we're, we're, we're seeing in, in the book of Acts already, even though we're only to chapter number 5, we're seeing that persecution takes place. So as the church moves forward, persecution takes place. So remember, the apostles were placed into prison, but then God miraculously delivered them. They were able to get out of the prison, and then he commissions them. Remember, he tells them to go and stand and speak. And so they go into the temple, and they begin to follow the instructions that God had given them. So they were freed for a purpose, we said. They were freed to go and stand and speak in the temple. And that's exactly what they did. They continued in those things that God had asked them to do. Even though they were facing great persecution, they continued in those things. And so remember last week, by way of looking at a verse that we read last week, would you look at verse number 29 in Acts chapter number 5? We told you last week that they had made a decision. They need to obey God rather than man. And in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 29, when they were told in verse number 28... They said, we commanded you that you're not to teach in his name. Don't you remember? We commanded you not to do that. And remember, they speak up in verse number 29. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. God is not going to make you obey. It's voluntary on your part, but he wants you to. And it's so important for us to obey God rather than men when men would ask us to do something that would violate a, a direct commandment that God would have for us. And so the decision is made. We're going to obey God rather than men. And look down, if you would, at verse number 33. This will catch us up to where we're at tonight. And then we'll start in verse number 34 with a couple truths from the end of this chapter tonight. Verse number 33, look at this. It says, when they heard that, when they heard what? Well, remember the disciples, or excuse me, the apostles, yes, they had 
gone to the temple. They had spoken the truth. And then remember the uh, Sanhedrin was convening. They find out they're in the temple. They bring them uh, before the assembly again. And before the uh, Sanhedrin, that 71-member Jewish court of law, they bring them before the Sanhedrin. And they said, didn't we tell you not to preach the, uh, the, 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 in the name of the Lord anymore? And they said, it's better to obey God than men. And then they start giving the message of the good news of the gospel. That message that was of Jesus and that he had died for them. He had risen again. He had been exalted. And they're speaking the truth of the gospel. When they hear these things, it says, verse 33, that they were cut to the heart. And they were cut to the heart in such a way that the Bible says, in verse, at the end of verse number 33, the Bible says they were so deeply affected by what they had heard the apostles say that it says they took counsel to slay them. Now they're desiring to put them to death. So persecution is not only in placing these apostles in prison, now they want to put them into death. And so this is where we get to four, down to the end of the chapter, Lord willing tonight, we'll finish at verse number 42 tonight, Lord willing, as we go through this. I want us to notice a few truths from verse 34 down to verse number 42 tonight as we finish this chapter. And the first thing I Says. We're going we're gonna to center in on the ministry of these apostles tonight. The work that they are doing for the Lord. And number one, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the protection of their ministry. I want you to notice how God protected their ministry tonight. And we're going to start in verse number 34. And I want to read a few verses. I want to talk about a man that was a member of the Sanhedrin that speaks up. And he was actually used of God in a way to protect the apostles so that they did not put them to death, they did not kill them, and they were able to continue on and do the work of the Lord. So look at what it says in verse number 34. I want you to notice the protection of their ministry. It says, verse 34, Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and it says, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space so let's not put them to get death uh, let's not lay our hands upon these apostles and so this man named Gamaliel who was a member of the Sanhedrin again that 71 Jewish he was a member of that he steps up and the Bible says that he begins to speak on behalf of the apostles now I do believe that he speaks on behalf of the apostles because he is a Christian nor do I believe that he's speaking on behalf of the apostles because he even believes what they're saying. I believe that God, in a supernatural way, is using this man to speak on, the, on behalf of the apostles so their lives are going to be spared. God is going to step in. And God, with his protection on their ministry, is going to allow this man to speak up so the apostles are not put to death. Notice with me, if you would, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a side thought here that really I think is, it, it has been an encouragement to me as I think about what Gamaliel did here. Look at verse number 35. It says this, And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. I'm just giving you a warning here. Take heed to what you're doing as your intention is to touch these men and do them harm. Now, here's what the Lord drew to my attention as I was going through this passage here in Acts chapter number 5. He drew my attention to some times in Scripture where people have stepped up 
and warn in, and have warned individuals who have tried to stand against God's people. Here's this man named Gamaliel, and he knows what they're doing. He knows their decision. They're trying to put them to death. And he is used by God to stand up in this crowd of individuals that are desiring to put their hands on God's people. I want you to real quickly go, if you would, to a, a passage of scripture that I believe is very similar to this, especially as we read on. I think we're going to get to see this. So we'll take the time to look at it now, and then as we read on, you'll get to see really how familiar this story is. Would you go way back to the Old Testament book of Esther for a moment? It reminds me of something that took place in the book of Esther. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Esther, you know that the Jewish people were in danger. The Jewish people were going to be slain. There was a man named Haman that came up with a plan to put to death all of the Jewish people there in the, in the, uh, in the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that Mordecai is encouraging Esther to go before the king and to spare the Jewish people. Remember there was a time where some men had helped the king out and the Bible tells us that he had kept a record of those men who had spared the life of the king, had helped the king out when there were individuals that wanted to put the king to death. And so as all of this is going on, Haman is coming up with this plot, Mordecai is encouraging Esther to stand before the king, but remember he has to hold out the golden scepter in, in order for her to be able to come and present herself before the king. And so while all of this is going on, the Bible tells us that the king is reminded of that time in which those men protected the life of the king. And so he says, I want you to pull out the book that we've kept all the records in. Do you remember this? I want you to pull out the book. We find this in Esther chapter number 6. And so if you can get your place, get yourself there to Esther chapter 6. We're going to look at it in just a minute. And so the king, he couldn't sleep in verse number 1. It says, on, the night, on that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king. And it says, and it was found written that Mordecai told of Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlain, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hold on the king Ahasuerus. And remember, the message was delivered that these, king, these uh, two men were desiring to slay the king. Mordecai was the one who helped the king out, and the king had kept records of that, hadn't he? So remember, he calls Haman in. What should be done to the man? Now, you remember the hatred that Haman had in his heart towards Mordecai. Remember, Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And he had such a hatred that he was now desiring the Jewish people to be killed and to be put away, put, put, done away with. And so he says, what? He asked Haman, what should be done to this man who has protected the king? And of course, he begins to talk about how that great honor and reward ought to be given to this man for what he has done, not knowing that it was Mordecai. Of course, all of that honor and a, a reward was given to Mordecai, and then we get to the end of the chapter when the Bible tells us Mordecai comes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm sorry, Haman comes home, and the Bible tells us that he is grieving over what has happened.
taught in any way, shape, or form. And the Bible tells us, verse number 12, it says, And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hastened, hasted to his house, mourning and having his head covered. I mean, he's so distraught of the fact, uh, of the fact that he had to reward Mordecai for what he had done for the king. But notice the next two verses. Verse number 13, it says this, And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had befallen him. You can almost even visualize him telling this to his wife with almost like a, po a poochy lip face. Man, think about the things that I had to just do to Mordecai, this man that I just have such hatred in my heart towards that I'm going to even build a gallows so that he can be hanged on those gallows and I want to put to death all of his, all of his people, all the Jewish people. Well, the Bible tells us in the middle of verse number 13, it says, Then said his wise men and Zeresh, excuse me, his wife unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. If Mordecai is part of God's people, you try to put your hand against this man and the only thing that's going to happen is failure. So they step in and say, it's not wise to put your hand against God's people. Look at what verse 14 says. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. And remember, a little bit later on in the story, as he has been warned, you're not going to put your hand against God's man and prevail. Against God's people and prevail. Similar to what we're going to read about here in the life of Gamaliel in, in, uh, uh, in uh, Acts. You remember what same gallows that Haman had built for the purpose of hanging Mordecai on. He ends up hanging to his death on those gallows. You remember the story. And remember, as Esther has the banquet, she points to Haman and she says, this is the man that has come up with that decree to kill the Jewish people, and he was hanged on those gallows. You try to put your hand against people, and you will not prevail. That's what Gamaliel really says here in this passage. So we've got to turn back to Acts chapter number 5, which, by the way, it also reminded me of another passage of Scripture that we read about in the Gospels. We read about a story, you remember when... Uh, when, when Jesus was Pilate, and remember, Pilate's wife said, don't, don't do anything to, to, to harm this man. I've had a dream about the things that, 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 that we're, we're doing to harm this man. Let, let's have no part of this. Remember, even Pilate stands there and he washes his hands and saying, I, I'm, I'm innocent of, of the blood of, of this man. Even Pilate's own wife standing before him and saying, we try to put our hands against God's man. We're not going to prevail. That's exactly what happens here with Gamaliel. Uh, look really, really quickly back with me, if you would, at uh, Acts chapter 5. Look down now, if you would, at verse number 36, because here's what he's going to do. He stands before the Sanhedrin, and he begins to remind them of some times when this has happened before, when individuals have risen to a place of power, and then as they've risen to a place of power and even had a following 
they've eventually, they, they've, they've, they've had times of, of, of success, but eventually they kind of were, became history. They, they came off of the scene. And that's what he's saying is going to happen to, 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 the, to the apostles. And these things that are happening as they're preaching in the name of the Lord, all of this stuff's going to become history. It's going to just go away. And he says, look at these examples that we could give. Look at verse 36. He says this, For before these days rose up uh, Thutis, he says, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. So now this man has a group of 400 men that have joined him. And notice what it says. He says, who was slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. So because this was man's doings, even though there were 400 men that joined him, he eventually was slain and all of it was brought to naught, or we would word it this way, all of it was, was, was now history. It's all passed away. Then in verse 37, he gives another illustration. Look at what verse number 37 says. He reminds them of another man whose name was Judas, who did the same thing. He had a great following as well, but he was slain and he became history as well. Look at what it says in verse 37. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished and all even as many as obeyed him were dispersed or were scattered away and again came to naught. It was history. And so then the Bible tells us that Gamaliel begins to reference this situation that they are currently facing now with the apostles. And the Bible tells us that he begins to persuade them not to kill the apostles, but to understand and know that if this is something that man is working up, it's all going to come to naught. It's all going to be history, just like all of these other things. But then he makes a statement after that that we have to see. Look at what he says in verse number 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. It'll be just like those other illustrations I gave in verse number 36 and verse number 37. Just like all of those other illustrations we gave of men who have come to a place of power. And they even had a strong following for a time. But eventually they were put to death. And eventually it all became history. And so if this is a thing or a working of man, that's what's going to come of it. But look at what he says in verse number 39. But if it be of God, ye, he says, cannot overthrow it. He's speaking truth there, isn't he? If it's a thing of God, it will not be overthrown. God will always accomplish His will and His purpose. He'll work it out in some way, won't He? It reminds me of the story of Mordecai. Don't, don't, put, your hand, uh, don't put your hand on Mordecai. Don't put your hand on God's people because you'll never find success when you do that. God is going to get to victory. And so notice what it says at the end of verse number 39, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Again, I don't believe that Gamaliel, and I, again, you may have a different opinion of it, but, but I don't believe that Gamaliel is standing up because he is a strong Christian. I don't believe he's standing up because he even believes the truth of what these men are preaching, but really God was just using him so that the apostles could be delivered, so that they could be rescued, and so God was taking this man and he was using him. So it goes back to our thought. We said, number one, the protection of their ministry. God is protecting 
the ministry of these men as they are serving the Lord. So here's what he convinces them to do. If you want in verse number 40, it says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, how many times? We've only gotten to chapter 5 in the book of Acts. And how many times have they already been told, do not speak in the name of Jesus? Over and over and over we're seeing that, aren't we? Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Now, they've been placed into prison and God's delivered. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. They continue to do it. They're placed into prison and God delivers again. Now they're at a place where they want to slay them. And this man named Gamaliel is used of the Lord to stand up and protect the apostles. And the apostles then are beaten. They're sent out. Go from this place, but do not speak in the name of the Lord again. Well, that's where we come to number two tonight. I want us, number two, to see the praise of their ministry. Number one, we saw the protection of their ministry. God was protecting their ministry. But number two, I want us to notice the praise of their ministry. The Bible tells us that what they had to go through to be placed into prison and to be beaten, guess what they're doing? They're praising God about it. They're rejoicing through it all. They still have joy. We just got done in, uh, 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 receiving a beating for the cause of Jesus, and we are rejoicing in it. We are praising the Lord that we were counted worthy to get to go through this for Jesus. Now, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? of their ministry. Notice how they praised the Lord. Look with me if you would at verse number 41. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now can we take a pause in our message for just a moment? We look at a few passages of scripture. We're going to find these in the New Testament of our Bible that encourage us. We may go through some times of Tribulation, trial, suffering, maybe even some persecution. I, I don't know that we'll face it to the degree of what Paul had to face and the apostles had to face. But yes, there might be some times where we face persecution. But the, the, the encouragement tonight is this, to rejoice even in the midst of our suffering and our trials and our tribulations and our persecution. To still rejoice and to praise God through it all. Here's what I believe. We're going to see some passages in the New Testament I think that encourages us with that. But here's what I believe we see. I believe we see that the suffering that these go through to us that they had maintained their spiritual integrity. They go through it all, but yet their spiritual integrity is maintained to the point where they say we can even rejoice through it. We don't have to be down in the mouth. We don't have to be sad about what we've had to go through. We're rejoicing because we were counted worthy by Jesus to suffer for his name. Look with me, if you would, at the book of Matthew for a moment. The Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is preaching here. In, in Matthew chapter number 5, of course, this sermon that takes these chapters here in Matthew. And look at Matthew chapter 5, and notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 10. Matthew 5 and verse number 10, it says this. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I think you would agree with me. I don't think it takes much to agree that in Acts chapter 5, they are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing something they ought to do. This is right living, and they're being persecuted for it. Notice what it says. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First of all, they have heaven as their hope 
And then they have rewards that God says are awaiting those who are faithful through times of persecution and trial and tribulation and suffering. Look at what he says in verse number 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And there may be times in your life where spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking now, you've been falsely accused. Somebody has falsely accused you of something that was not the intention of your heart at all. And you say, they've falsely accused me of something that was not on my heart at all, something that wasn't the intention of mine at all. And I've had to go through that for Christ. Spiritually speaking, now I've had to go through that. Notice what he says in verse number 11. I'm sorry, verse number 12. Rejoice! Now that's sometimes hard for us to, in, human, in our human minds, to comprehend, isn't it? That I'm supposed to rejoice when I'm persecuted? I'm supposed to rejoice when men are saying, uh, evil things about me and when they're falsely accusing me God you expect me to rejoice yes he does and notice what he says rejoice and be exceeding glad now remember what we said this morning we're able to have joy as we are in the center of God's will well there might be some times when you are in the center of God's will and you are persecuted for being in the center of God's will and as a result of being in the center of God's will, even through the times of persecution, you can rejoice and be exceeding glad. Notice what he says. For great is your reward in heaven. Now here's the real key to this, the end of verse number 12. For so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. There's been folks that have been persecuted before you. There's folks that are being persecuted while you're being persecuted. And there are folks that will be persecuted long after you're off this earth. So there are individuals that have gone through it before. There are individuals who are going through it now and who will go through it in the future and rejoice because great is your reward. There's others that have had to go through it before and they've relied on the Lord and they've been able to rejoice and they've been exceedingly glad even when they've gone through it. They've been able to maintain their spiritual integrity and joy was still in their hearts. We're seeing the praise of their ministry. Even though they're going through persecution, they can still praise the Lord. Would you look at another New Testament passage with me if you would? James chapter 1. A little farther back in our New Testament of our Bible, James chapter 1. Look down with me, if you would, at verse number 2 once you've found James chapter 1. So James chapter 1, and look at verse number 2. It says this, My brethren, so this is those that are saved. This is those that are serving the Lord. This is those that are doing what God would have for them to do. Look at what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. When there's trials that you have to go through. And by the way, there's various trials that we might have to face. When you fall into diverse temptations, he says, various trials that you're going to have to go through. He says, count it all joy. Again, knowing that there's been others that have had to go through it before, and you can still rejoice, and you can still be exceeding glad, he says. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, and look down at verse number 13. Now, you're going to recognize this verse, because these are verses that we have been using uh, throughout the course of the book of Acts as we've already been studying it. I, I, I know we'll go back to these verses because we're going to see the persecution of the early church had to face. Times of trial and suffering they had to go through and it'll be reminded to us again, time and time again. First Peter chapter 4, what an encouragement these verses are. I, I told you to look down at verse 13. Actually, let's start with verse 12. Look at what verse 12 says. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's not something strange or something foreign that nobody's gone through before. Isn't it great that the things that we go through, we could say that these are not things that are new under the sun. These are things that people have had to face before. But notice what he says, verse 13. But rejoice 
Inasmuch as, this is the real encouragement here, ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. He had to suffer. What makes you think as a child of God, you might not have to suffer? And look at what it says, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceed. There it is again, exceeding joy. Rejoice, be exceeding glad for the fact that you got to go through this for Christ. He suffered for you. Think about what he had to suffer for you. And by the way, the joy that was in the heart of our Savior as he was able to go through that for you and for me. The love that was on his heart as he suffered for you and for me. Notice with me, if you would, down at verse 16. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what it says. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed. By the way, if you don't know who's suffering there in that passage, it's because you're not reading it very well. He said you're suffering as a Christian. Right? As a child of God, you might have to suffer. And look at what he says at the end of verse number 16. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. We glorify God and we can praise God because we were counted worthy to go through suffering for Jesus. And that's exactly what the apostles were saying. Now, Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 4. We're still talking about the praise that they offered to God for their ministry, their suffering, for the trials, for the uh, persecution that they had to go through. Here's what I want to challenge you with by way of an application tonight. When you have times where you go through suffering, here's what I want to encourage you with tonight. And by the way, I hope you'll take the truth that I'll give you tonight and always be able to your life. Here's the truth that we want to give you by way of an application tonight or a truth in your life when you go through times of suffering. Yes, we're to rejoice. Yes, we're to glorify the Lord. But can I say this? The Spirit of God is able to impart grace when you go through times of trial. Always remember, the Spirit of God is able to impart grace when you go through trials. I said it this morning. I've said it often. You've heard it often. God will not put more on you than you're able to bear. He gives you the grace to go through it. Amazing grace, right? The amazing grace of our Savior that He allows us to have grace when we need it to go through whatever trial we face. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Aren't you thankful that His grace steps in when we might feel like we can't go another moment? We can't go another step. Maybe a little bit disappointed and we uh, folks have let us down or we've gone through times of persecution or maybe a challenge that you're going through in your life but God imparts his Holy Spirit imparts grace to help us to go through it look with me if you would at uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 it says this and I know you're familiar with these verses but, he, but it goes so well with what we're talking about he says for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities we have a high priest and his name is Jesus isn't he isn't it and the Bible tells us he is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and he is making intercession for us. So he's our high priest. And the Bible says we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand the weaknesses that we go through. That's one of the great blessings that we can say is true of the fact that Jesus came here to earth because he took on human flesh. So he understands what we go through. He understands the sorrows that we face. He understands the things that we have to deal with. And so it says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. He had to go through that temptation just like we do. He had to go through the suffering just like we do. And yet he did it without sin. But look at verse number 16. This is where God imparts grace. Look at what it says in verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of what? The throne of grace. 
We get to come boldly to the throne of grace. You say, well, I don't know if God's Holy Spirit's imparting grace on my part as I go through the challenges that I go through. Well, you've got to go to the throne of grace. You've got to talk to Him. And the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I, I was preaching from this passage. It'd probably be about a half ago now. And I remember somebody from the church coming up to me afterwards and they said, I've always known what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says. And again, this was some time ago now. They said, I've always known what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16 said about coming to the throne of grace. But they said, tonight when you preach from that verse, he said, God spoke to my heart in a way in which he opened my eyes to something, to that verse in a way that I'd never seen it before, that I can go to the throne of grace. And then I'll find, the Bible says, mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Maybe perhaps we don't have the grace that God wants to give us because we haven't asked for it. Let's come to the, to the throne of grace. Look with me, if you would, real quickly at, first, at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, look verse, verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. He says this, Thou therefore, now this is again the passage of scripture where he's talking about being a soldier. We talked about it this morning a little bit. We're enlisted into the army of God. We're a soldier in the army of God. We talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning for those that were there. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, now notice this, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God has grace available for us, doesn't he? And his grace is amazing, isn't it? As the hymn writer wrote, his grace is amazing. It's even hard to describe, isn't it? The grace that God gives us. So yes, we're going, to have, we're going to have times in which we might suffer. We might go through trials. We might go through tribulations. We might go through moments of persecution. But let's rejoice. Let's praise God. Let's glorify Him, knowing that His Holy Spirit will impart to us grace when we need it. Now back to Acts chapter number 5. I want us to notice the last verse tonight, and we'll be, we'll be finished. Acts chapter 5, and look with me if you would at verse number 42. Here's what we've seen so far. We've seen, number one, the protection of their ministry. And then number two, we saw the praise of their ministry. But number three, I want you to notice this. I want you to see the priority of their ministry. The priority. When they were released to go, remember what they said? Go, but just make sure you don't speak in his name. Well, what is the priority on the hearts of the apostles? Speaking about Jesus. That's our priority. He's to have the preeminence, right? He gets first place. We've got to speak about him. We can't close our mouth about this. And so notice what their priority was. Look at what they did as soon as they were released to go. It says in verse number 42, and we're going to concentrate on just the first part of the verse, it says this, and daily in the temple and in every house. Daily in the temple and in every house. What are they doing? Well, we're going to get to the end of the verse in just a minute, but they're preaching Jesus. So the Bible tells us, notice the priority here. They're doing it daily. They're preaching the word of God daily. Now, let me pause here just for a moment to give an application. We have an opportunity to meet on the Lord's Day. We get to come to church for Sunday school. By the way, be in your place for Sunday school. There's an encouragement in Sunday school. So be in your place because that's one of the opportunities we get to hear the word of God as it's preached and as it's taught. So we get Sunday school on the Lord's Day. We have the morning service on the Lord's Day. Now, this is Sunday now, the Lord's Day. We've got Sunday school. We've got the morning service. We've got the evening service. We get to meet together in the evening and be able to have an opportunity to hear the preaching of God's Word. Then Wednesday rolls around and praise the Lord for Wednesday. Praise the Lord for the middle of the week where we can have an opportunity to put aside the cares for, for, a, for a, a few more.
God's people place to be a haven of rest in the middle of a busy week in the middle of maybe trials that we're going through where we can put those to rest for a little while and say man I get to rejoice in being in God's house and I get to hear the preaching of God's word that's why I encourage you be here for Wednesday night be in your place on Wednesday night so you can have an opportunity to hear the word of God as it's preached and as it's taught so those are two days out of our week where we get to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Notice how often they're preaching God's Word here in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Daily, they're preaching the Word of God. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like we're doing the right thing here in the church today then if we're only meeting together on Sundays and meeting together on Wednesday night. But can I say this by way of an application or maybe a truth tonight? Simply this. We can share the gospel, though, every day, can't we? We have an opportunity. We get to hear the preaching of God's Word on Sunday morning, we get to share the truths of the, of the gospel and the message that God's laid upon the heart of the preacher on Sunday and Wednesday night, but we can share the gospel every day, can't we? I know, I know Bobby was even telling us on Saturday about how he got a, a chance to talk to some guys there that, were work, that stopped in his workplace there, and he invited them out to church. We ought to be busy doing that, right? Be busy sharing the gospel, allowing God to give us opportunities. I go back to November of last year when evangelist Drew Hay was here and he said this statement. He said, if you ask God to give you opportunities, he won't turn that down. You ask him. You ask him to give you opportunities. And God will give you opportunities to share the gospel. God will give you opportunities to share his word every day of the week. Let's be busy to do that. So yes, we meet together on Sundays and Wednesday nights to hear the preaching and the teaching. But let's be daily sharing our faith. And the Bible says they did it even in every house. Think about that. They were going to every single house. Remember what I said last Sunday night? We ought to, it ought to be true that we are filling, we are filling Boonesboro with the, with the message of the good news of the gospel. Then we fill, and then we're going to try to fill Keatesville with the message of the gospel. And Sharpsburg, man, there's some people that live over in Sharpsburg that really need to hear the gospel. Brother Rob and I, we live over there. Yeah, right? There's people in Sharpsburg. There's people in Keatesville. There's people in Hagerstown. And then around the world, aren't you glad we support missionaries? And we're able to spread the gospel around the world. He says at every house. That's why I love going and knocking on doors. I love trying to fulfill the Great Commission that way. And I know, I know that people have said that doesn't work anymore. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard just about everything about that. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. You knock on doors. That's not something that works today. Well, we had some folks that visited just last Sunday because we knocked on their door. We had folks that got saved just yesterday because we knocked on their door. We have bus riders that ride the bus every single Sunday because somebody knocked on their door. They didn't come to us. We came to them. And we shared the good news of the gospel to them. We invited them to get on, a, on an old, old gospel church bus and come in and hear the, the message of the gospel. And we've got Sunday school teachers that are teaching those children because somebody knocked on their door. He says from house to house to spread the gospel. This is a priority for the apostles, isn't it? It's a priority of their ministry. We want to do it every day. And we want to share it house to house. Would you real quickly turn to Acts 20? Turn to Acts 20, and let's notice another time. And I know we'll get to Acts 20 as we're studying through the book of Acts. But notice what Acts chapter 20 says in verse number 20. Another time in which this very same thing happened. This is an encouragement. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 20, it says this. He says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. He said, I wasn't just preaching it publicly. He said, but I was also going from house to house sharing the gospel message. And then look at verse number 20, 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, 
repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is he preaching the gospel publicly, not only is he doing it from house to house, but he's sharing it to everybody. The Jews and the Greeks, they all need to hear it, right? The message is that important. There is a priority in sharing the gospel. So there is a priority of their ministry. But then in Acts chapter 5, at the end of verse number 42, I'm going to finish with the last thought this evening. And we'll finish at the end of verse number 42. And the thought is simply this. I want you to notice the persistence of their ministry. We saw the protection of their ministry. God's protection was upon them as he used that man named Gamaliel to stand up and to spare the lives of those apostles. They beat them. They sent them out. They praised God. There was a praise of their ministry. And then the priority. We got to do this house to house. We got to do this daily. We got to share somebody. But then notice the persistence of their ministry. We're going to notice this as a pattern of the early church over and over and over and over again in the book of Acts. They just would not quit. They wouldn't stop. And it did not matter what happened to them. They went on. And there's two words that I want you to see at the end of Acts chapter 5 and verse number 42. And I want you to apply it to your life tonight. And I want to apply this to Victory Baptist Church as we've entered into the year of 2023. Notice what it says at the end of verse number 42. They ceased not. There's two words right there. Ceased not to, notice this, teach and preach Jesus Christ. There was persistence in their ministry. They just simply would not quit. They were faithful to God. I know I've said this verse many, many times. You've heard me say it. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God wants us to be faithful. God does not want us to quit. And maybe I'll challenge you with this tonight at the start of the year of 2023 because really we're at the starting point still, aren't we? Have you already been mindful of asking God to give you opportunities to share the gospel? Let me ask you, when's the last time you've shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you've taken the gospel, a gospel track and shared it with somebody? When's the last time you've tried to encourage people? And we're not saying this to discourage you or to, or to, or, or to make it where you, where you, where you say, uh, well, you know, in my heart when I looked into that, it's been quite a while. We're not saying it to discourage you. We're saying it to try to encourage you to be mindful of the fact that God gives you opportunities and you need to be persistent about it. Let's be faithful. Let's not quit. Can I ask you a question? By way of application, we'll read a verse and we'll be done tonight. What would it take to stop you? What would it take to stop you personally in your life? Because it took a whole lot to stop the apostles, didn't it? They would not quit. What would it take to stop you? Maybe it would take somebody... Maybe it would be uh, somebody that slams a door to stop you. Hey, let's not let things stop us. Let's just remain faithful for the Lord. Let's be persistent in our ministry. What would it take to stop you from teaching that Sunday school class? Or maybe saying, I'm going to take my turn to clean the church or to mow the grass or whatever ministry you have. What would it take to stop you? Let's not let it, let's not let it be said of us that we, we stop, but we're, we're persistent and we go on and we remain faithful. Can, can, I, can I share with you some verses real quick as we finish here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, two verses, and we'll finish with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and look at verse 23 and verse number 24. There is a reason why we need to keep giving out the gospel. There's a reason. Colossians, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says. It says this, But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Okay, so for some, Jesus is a stumbling block. Oh, by the way, the message of the gospel is a stumbling block. To some, it's foolishness. Preaching is foolish. Some would say that. 
But look, 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Bible says it's unto those that are saved, unto those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's the, the gospel is the power of God. And it's as the, at the end of the verse there, it's the wisdom of God. For those that know Christ as Savior, this gospel message had some power in it, didn't it? I know the night I got saved, God spoke to my, used it to speak to my heart. The night you got saved, if you know Jesus as your Savior, He used this gospel to speak to your heart. There was power in this, wasn't there? And so because of the power of the gospel, isn't it great to know that God can change the life of anyone? Anyone. Man, that ought to encourage us tonight to say, I'm going to get busy at what I'm doing. I'm going to remain busy with what I'm doing. I'm going to stay faithful to the Lord because there's not a situation that's outside of the control of Almighty God. He can change any situation. He can save any soul. He died so that everyone could be saved. Now, many will reject. We understand that. But many are going to receive him as well. And so let's be faithful to give out the message of the gospel because it's the power of God. Let's be persistent with it. What would it, get to, what would, what would it take to cause you to quit? I hope you'd say, I don't want to quit on the Lord. I want to be faithful. I want to stay steadfast. As we read in our, our, our theme verse, our verse for the month of January, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. May we be encouraged by Acts chapter number 5 as we saw the protection of their ministry, God protecting them. And we saw the praise and the glory they gave to God, even in the midst of persecution, knowing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. And the idea of the fact that they were still able to praise the Lord. And then the priority of a da daily sharing the gospel. And from house to house. And then the persistence. They just would not quit. Let's remember those two words tonight. As, as a church family, let's remember those two words. Let's cease not. They cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Let's continue to be a lighthouse in this area. Let's continue to run the buses. Amen? I'm so thankful for the buses. Man, I was encouraged. I told some folks this morning, I think it was in Sunday school, I got a chance to see uh, a man that was a, really a, 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 a blessing to me as I grew up in, in my childhood years and encouraged me to be a part of the bus ministry. And I was so thankful that I could look at him and I could say at our church, we're still running the buses. And he was able to look at me and say, at my church, we're still running the buses. Let's, let's keep supporting missionaries, right? Let's keep having a choir that sings. Let's keep standing by the truths of the Word of God. Let's keep having a Sunday school ministry and a good news club ministry where we get to see children saved. Why? It's, it's that important. And let's be uh, persistent with it. Let's cease not. Father, I pray that you'd use this message tonight in the book of Acts to stir and to challenge our hearts tonight. Lord, maybe tonight just to freshen anew, just to say, I want to make sure, I want to, I want to uh, promise to God, I want to make a vow to Him that I'm going to cease not to teach and to preach the Word of God, to ask God to give us opportunity.